This is a HeadGum Podcast. Come in. Hey, man, I'm sorry I'm late to transition. Shut up! You're here! And good thing, because we've got lots of work. featuring unforgettable guests with incredible jobs. And now, here's my boss and your host, Katie Lazarus. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to Employee of the Month. I am thrilled to bring you this episode in part because the show that set me free um, as a comedian, artist, writer, whatever. I mean, I was doing a doctorate in clinical psych. I finally found the profession that brought everything together hosting this talk show, and I couldn't have gotten it off the ground without um, two friends, um, Shockwave and Arthur the Genius. Is. <laughs> and you're going to hear my interview with Arthur the Geniuses, who in um, real life goes by Arthur Lewis. Um, and I forever I was confusing. He was in a band for a couple years. It was called Arthur and the Geniuses, and I would confuse that with Arthur the Geniuses because the Employee of the Month house band has three people who don't actually go by their... So I'm constantly going between <laughs> Arthur the Geniuses, uh, Shockwave, who's Chris Sullivan, Jelly D, who's Andrew Bancroft. My trying to explain to people who come on to the show, even just as like an intern or something like that, and I'm like, so this person is Chris, and he's also Shock or Shockwave. This is Jelly D, but he's also Andrew Bancroft. Like, they think we're banana not muffins, which we are. But um, I think Arthur Lewis is one of the most talented um, singer-songwriters I've ever met. What do you What do you think? Um, thank you. Well, guys, this is an intro that you'll never get again. Um, uh, my guest today is Arthur Lewis, um, who we're going to hear from in a little bit. Um, we just heard from him. Um, so here's our interview. Here's my interview with Arthur Lewis. It was taped live at Headgum Studios. <laughs> so... I'm sitting with Arthur Lewis, and I know he's not going to like what I'm about to say, but I'm just going to say it. Um, without a doubt, you are one of the most talented uh, musicians I've ever seen, and I know I'm not alone in feeling that way. Um, and I, I just wanted to sort of go back in time, and I imagine you were always playing music. Your dad was a musician as well? Yeah, my dad is a musician. Uh, what kind of music does he play? Um, that's an interesting question. So my dad hasn't like played anywhere in a long time, but he kind of just like records his own stuff and he just like writes songs, um, of various kinds. Uh, he, he's made a couple like weird little comedy albums, um, that he, like what kind of stuff? They're just like, I can't even really describe them. Um, and only, I think the only people who have heard them are like my family and Lynn. Uh, and when, by Lynn, you mean Lynn Manuel Miranda, yeah, as opposed he, to Linda Carter, who was in Super, uh, not excuse me, Wonder Woman. They so sorry. they developed a weird like uh, mutual respect relationship like ten years ago, and so like, um, yeah, my my Lynn loves my dad's weird music as a funny thing. It, 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 okay, so was this when you guys were kids in school at, at um, um no so so uh, my dad recorded he's I mean he's been recording songs my whole my whole life um like my first appearance on record was at the age of seven with my wow. sister um and she's a twin with my twin sister we were both seven it's the coolest uh, thing singing the song why isn't it Christmas yet and we're singing the chorus and it's the cutest thing you've ever heard in your life um 
And then in high school, my dad got uh, a bunch of recording equipment and he would record stuff and it, it, it was set up in my room. So that was like, awesome. I started. This is in New York. Getting, this is in New York. Small apartment in Ridgewood, Queens, like super cramped, but like the digital eight track recorder, because this is the 90s, um, is like set up in my room and I'm just, you know, messing around with it. But uh, he recorded this album of children's music then. Um, and my sister and I sang on it and a couple of friends from high school like did the artwork. Um, and that is the thing that Lynn ended up hearing. And like, there are a few songs where he was just like, what is this? Um, and then my dad came to a freestyle of Supreme show and my dad hates rap. He calls it, you know, rap crap or whatever. Um, but he was like, whoa, okay. That was really, that is some talent right there. And so we're going to back up for one second so I can just tell people, um, so you went to school with Lin-Manuel Miranda since you were how old? Eight. No, uh, we met when we were eight. We went to school together since we were five. And um, I know that he was very impressed that you knew the phrase supercalifragilis. It was that I, he, he likes to tell a story that I don't remember. That he told it on that when he, we did the interview. Yes. Remember, you were on that show. Yes. When, um, when he's, you can listen to his Employee of the Month episode. He tells yeah. a story about meeting me um, and my being able to spell supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. And I'm not going to ruin the story. You can go back to the old episode and hear it. Um, but he tells that story all the time. Can we just pretend it was the only time you can possibly hear that story is on the Employee of the Month episode? Um, yeah, he's never told that story other than when he told it on, okay, on thank the... Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, Freestyle Love Supreme is uh, a collective of um, hip-hop maestros. You explain it. <laughs> um, it's Do you a, love my, my marketing copy? I really, it's really yeah. wonderful. It's a, okay, collection, it's a collective of a lot of people who are a lot more famous than I am. Um, but like also ridiculously famous. I mean, a lot of very talented people who do many things on the Broadway. Yeah. Um, but basically it's, uh, a, an improv comedy freestyle rap group. Um, you know, we make up songs, we get suggestions. Uh, I play keys and I sing other people rap. Um, yeah. There's a beatbox or shockwave. Yes. Who's, who's right now shooting a pilot with a uh, Ukarsh. Yeah. Um, which I'm sure will help us with our pilot. <laughs> which hopefully you will be part of too. Awesome. Really? Okay, I don't good. Tell, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that. Like, see, Arthur's smart. He's like, Arthur helped employee of the month get its start. So he, he, I didn't mean to pressure him, but <laughs> it's a privilege to have him. And if you ever come to a live show, you'll get to hear what I mean. Or you can also just go to Arthur, the um, to get a sense or Spotify, Spotify, Spotify. No, don't go to Spotify. No, Spotify's great. Okay, go to Spotify, yeah. go to Spotify, go to Spotify. Um, wait, okay, so let's just go back. So is you're seven years old. I just wanted to give a preface for people who like can't get Hamilton tickets or have never heard of Lin-Manuel. There must be people in Uganda who have never heard of Lin-Manuel Miranda. Yeah, I'm sure that there are. As someone who went to Wesleyan, actually, you probably get this from Hunter. It's either the New York Times or Wesleyan has an article about Lin-Manuel Miranda in some capacity. Oh Every sure. I day. mean the the hunt the Hunter <laughs> alumni Facebook group oh, specifically <laughs> like sometimes people will post things and they're like, here's something that's not about Lynn Manuel Miranda. <laughs> oh, like and that's all my parents talk to me about now oh, too. Like and it's like the only like point of relation because I grew up in DC with politics <laughs> and I'm like, I'm so happy when like Lynn Manuel Miranda is not mentioned in a conversation. <laughs> and he's such a nice guy that it's a ridiculous thing to say, but like he's become like that older brother that I could never live up to. <laughs> <laughs> you and me both. <laughs> um 
Well, that's not true. So that's what I was hinting at at the beginning, mm. Arthur. And, you know, m- music is one of the few art forms that can be live that you can be absurdly talented at and not necessarily be performing. Sort of how you said with your father that he may not be performing at venues, but it doesn't um, eradicate the talent. You can you can practice in your garage, your closet, sure. and really be good. That's not true coming from a stand-up background. Mm. Interesting, yeah. And so I think it's a really, you know, it's a question. I just think that talent and ambition are two totally different things that often get um, conflated in people's minds. And they'll sure. say, you know, he could not be stopped. And that is why Jerry Lewis had to take the stage. He could not be stopped. And that is why, you know, um, I don't know. Uh, I'll pick someone who's not that talented musically. Madonna had to take the stage. And it's not necessarily true. Right. Um, so going back to when you were seven, mm-hmm. when you could not be stopped. So that was your first taste of being on an album? Oh, sure. Yeah. Um, that was like a little, my dad printed up a bunch of 45s that like, uh, they're probably still in, I think there's, yeah, I think there's st- like stacked boxes, like the way that now when you, as a musician, like maybe not now, but like in the past few years, you'd, you'd go get your CDs from like, you put an album and you buy like a thousand CDs and then you still have those CDs for years. You just have the boxes like stacked in your room. My dad has those 45s from 1987, <laughs> like just a couple of them stacked up. Um, I think I might have a box somewhere and also, you know, CDs from the nineties, but yeah, um, that happened. And then, um, and does your sister, uh, is she musically inclined my as well? My sister's very musically inclined. Uh, my sister's a great singer um, and writes, um, writes, she plays some guitar and she writes this like just kind of eerie, beautiful um, music that she doesn't perform very often and she doesn't write very much. I actually haven't heard anything of hers that she wrote in a number of years, but like the times when she does perform it, I'm just like, what? what is happening? Yeah. And your m- mom? My mom sings. Wow! Um, so at the whole family, whole family, like okay. and like you know, grandparents, aunts, like wow. uncles, like everyone is musical in some way or another on both sides. Like it's just where are they from originally? Um, so my mom's side of the family is from Haiti, and my dad's side of the family is uh, so my like my dad's Pennsylvania. Um, there's some like we have actually this. Uh, my grandfather used to have this book um, called The Jamesons in America. And it's like, obviously, you can't see what I'm doing on the podcast. I'm making the sign of a very thick book. And by the it's way, to this- anyone listening, you would not know it was a book if you were visually looking anyway. So don't worry, you're not missing any it's signage. It's true. It kind of looks like a burger that I'm about to eat, <laughs> some kind of sandwich. Um, but it's an extremely thick tome, sort of uh, delineating the the the. Uh, past family that of from like 1600 like wow. when like people showed up so there's like on one side it's like my family got here a few decades ago it's on the other side it's like my family has been here for hundreds of years and here is the the proof wow um, and they're like yeah. wasp or or um i guess so i catholic I, I know that that mean like there's a speci- that means a very specific thing yeah like the the cultural phenomenon of wasp is a very specific thing and that i, I would not apply that to my family yeah are they dutch irish um, british some mutt? so uh some irish some scottish uh some french on my grandmother's side um probably other stuff that i don't know about yeah 
but everyone sang on both sides or p- performed in some capacity. Yeah. Um, you know, I start like my, one of my first experiences of the piano is like watching my grandmother on my mom's side, just like sit at her piano and just kind of like play stuff. Um, and my grandma on my dad's side used to sing and you know, it's just kind of everyone I can think of in my family had some kind of musical thing. It, I think for people who grew up that way, it feels, um, it's so integrated and seamless into to one's life. Mm-hmm. And for those of us who didn't grow up with that and then find out like, Oh my God, I have this talent. I don't know what to do with it. And it's sort of, it's just a very different. So no, I don't yeah. know. It's the, <laughs> the long enough. and the short of it. Um, so when you were young, what were you drawn towards musically? Um, hmm. Let's see. Uh, you do piano, guitar, percussion. Yeah. I didn't start, playing instruments or anything till I was in high school. Okay. Um, up until then I was just a singer. Like I was a, you know, I was the soprano, um, in chorus and like, nice. that was my thing. Like I was, th- I was that boy with the really high voice who sang really pretty. Nice. Um, and then at some point I just like kind of made a decision. Like, so I, I started playing a little guitar. Um, but like I had friends who were like guitar players. Yeah. I, they'd already identified by that. That's yeah. so New York. And it was, it wasn't that, but it was like, you know, you, like you're in high school, you're in a band and your friend plays the guitar and your other friend plays the guitar. And you're like, I guess I also kind of play the guitar, but like he's the guitar player. Totally. So right. I would just kind of mess around at home. Um, and then at some point when I was like, maybe, I think maybe 15, I, I turned to my mom and I was like, I need to start learning to play the piano. Like this is like, I, I, it was like wow. I had, I had understood somehow that this was important for my life Yeah, and I just needed to make it happen now. Yeah. And like I started taking piano lessons and that kind of was where, where it went from there. That's awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. I mean, it's a really important thing to always stay open to new instruments. And, and I would say that for any, art form in general like to be like oh i don't know if i like drawing maybe i'll try it but but particularly as a musician i feel like that it makes you probably more nimble at what you're used to when you can sort of take a chance on something else sure sure you know like you're like still growing yeah yeah absolutely um so okay so then you started doing piano Mm -hmm. as well um, and then were you in a band or anything like that? You went to Yale, which is like a school for kids who are developmentally delayed. What did you do there? Um, I majored in music. Um, that was an interesting experience for me because Yale is a great, has a fantastic classical music program. Mm-hmm. And I know nothing, knew nothing about classical music. <laughs> um, so I was like trying to find the jazz kids and trying to find the like hip hop kids. And you should have like, come to Wesleyan. <sighs> the, 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 yeah. That is like um, all we had. I, I like know. Crazy jazz. I, so half of freestyle and Supreme went to Wesley. So I've been hearing this my like the past ten years. Like that's all. Um, all I went to was modern dance concerts and weird, crazy. I don't even mean like n- none of the jazz that's like people know and not even like Coltrane. Like it was like very experimental jazz. Well, that's the thing. I've never I'm sure been Coltrane an experimental was. music person. Yeah, then, um, then you didn't miss out. I missed out a little bit. <laughs> But, um, you know, I, I did a little bit of jazz stuff. I did a few, like, I found, like, some people to play with. Um, I did a bunch of gigs. But I did not, I didn't write a finished song until I was 23. And what do you think that is? Why? Um, a few reasons. One is that uh, when I was younger, um, I just had a few, like, bad experiences with, like, mm. people 
hearing stuff that I'd written and like getting embarrassed about it. And like, it just took me a while to kind of get over that. Um, I'm also just like a perfectionist and I find, I find writing music, um, in the abstract a lot easier than writing words. Yeah. Um, writing words is something that like I have to work at and I have to come back to and like think about writing music. Like it just kind of comes and I, I work at it to make it better, but it doesn't feel like work to get it started, you know? Yeah. Um, so I, I found myself in a situation where I would, I would just keep wanting to write music and I would keep wanting to sing and I couldn't figure out how to combine the two for a long time. I, I, I you know, I completely empathize. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, perfectionism is a, is a very confusing thing. Sure. Um, and it's sort of similar to kind of what I was talking about before with the ambition versus talent that people mm-hmm. will conflate those. And actually they're, I think that the ambition to, um, succeed in a very, I don't want to say superficial way, but in the way that success is understood generally in society is different than talent. And I would say yeah. the same thing with like getting something out versus getting something perfect. Oh yeah. Um, require t- two different, um, parts of your brain in some way or, or, or um, impetuses. Sure. Impetai. <laughs> Impetus. Impetus. And, and I, I've certainly been plagued um, by the, the perfectionism and, and then feel sad that I don't have as much out there yeah. and yet um, make life much more difficult for myself because I get so in my head. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and it's something I've been kind of trying to move past in the past few years. Um, what helps you? Well, what helps you? What, what, what's made it harder is that it's been so long since I've actually put anything out. Um, so it's like, it's my own, it, there's my own like regular kind of perfectionism that a person has. And then there's the like sophomore album thing that people talk about. Um, and it's like, Oh God, what does that mean? Um, the, I, there, there's sort of a general idea in the music industry that like the second album is the, is the curse. Cause yeah. like you put out the first album and it's all the stuff you wrote, like you spent your whole career building up to this. Yeah. You wrote all these songs and they're great songs and you put out this first album and then like, you have to do it again. Come on. Okay. I so, so if we were is an unbelievable album and I thoroughly encourage people to go out and, and listen to it. And Arthur is, is a very modest human being. And, and whether you are a household name or not, you would still be a modest human being. It's who you are. Um, but I can say on no uncertain terms, how beautiful, um, and mellifluous it is. So, so I really encourage people and I can see how that can also, set you up to feel n- nervous about the second thing. And right. and then the added pressure of like, you know, we were joking about it before, but like, you know, a lot of performers, I just had Justin Vivian Bond on the show and V always recommends that people don't start out in New York because it's intimidating and it's hard. You grew up here. Yeah. And, you know, I was joking in part that um, your friends have achieved so much success, your peers. I mean, people who want to perform with you, who do perform with you. And so there's no doubt that you are as talented. And yet the bar gets set so high right. that it becomes to me, um, I mean, just talking on my own, you know, as a talk show, like if it's not on television and it's not um, – if it's not on television, does it count? <laughs> you know. <laughs> and for you, I mean, I think it's a sort of similar thing. I imagine where the yeah. bar has been set so high, and then it's like, okay, these, there's still all these steps there. Yeah. 
And to some extent, the thing that the thing that I've had to remember recently is that, um, you know, there's this, there's this idea of potential, right? There's this idea that like, even the idea of talent, like that one person's level of talent is the same as another person's or, or, you know, the the idea that there's this level is it's, it's about, it's about potential. It's about saying like, Oh, you could do something. Um, and that's a curse. Yeah. The idea, like the thing that holds you back is saying like, um, I have all this potential and I have to meet it. Um, and the thing that helps me, um, that's been helping me recently is to just say like, I just, I just have to make things that are not as good as I can make them. You know I, what I mean? Absolutely, because you are that potential already. And so, like, as an outsider, I can look at you, Arthur, and be like, yeah, you already are those things. And, like, my, my, um, my neighbors are musicians. Actually, they're going to be on the next um, live taping, Bodies Be nice. Rivers. And, like, they have no interest in signing with an agent. Mm-hmm. They're a band, and they have day jobs. Um, he's an acupuncturist, and she's a nanny. And, like... They're really smart. Like, you know what I mean? They yeah. could they could even get more on paper, intellectually sounding jobs, or, you know, maybe he could run the head of the acupuncture institute or whatever, you sure. know? But, like, on no uncertain terms, they want that. They want a life. And music is a huge part of that life. And so you already are that potential. And I think it's so easy for outsiders, be it, you know, Sarah Kay, the poet, or Lin-Manuel Miranda, um, a you know, colleague and performer and friend, or myself as someone who's um, been so lucky to have you as part of my show, like, say, you are already that. You are already that potential. Well, that's very nice. Or honest. I yeah, mean, I mean, it's, it, yeah, I, I have to think about that. I, I'm not sure how to respond to that yet. Yeah, because it may not feel totally accurate to you because there's something that you haven't done versus achieved. That might be gnawing at you. No, it's more just thinking about what that, how that can help um, actually creating stuff. Yeah, yeah. And so the other thing I've been doing recently is, um, you know, I I talked earlier about um, this idea of like someone who makes music and someone who sings and trying like always trying to figure out how to combine those two things. Um, and I've actually, the, one of the funny things is I've actually pigeonholed myself. Mm-hmm. Um, this is something I've just started thinking about this past week. Um, is that I've pigeonholed myself in the sense that like I've become a singer songwriter, you know, I've, I've become someone who does gigs where I go out and I play the piano and I, I sing these songs that I've written and I enjoy it. It's fun. Um, I like writing the songs, but the thing that I as a the creative thing that I like most when making music is sitting in the studio making music like making a like tangible sound product you know um and the idea that that has to necessarily uh match with the songs that I'm writing that yes. like each each thing that I make has to also be a song that I've written with lyrics and chords that has like a verse course or a structure like that's that has infected my head for a long time. Yeah. And, and to not, I'm wondering like, you know, I'll hear from people who are actors mm-hmm. and like, they just need to be put in work. Mm-hmm. And as a talk show host, like people constantly want me to do employee of the month on their thing. And I'm like, Hey, I actually don't want to produce an entire show, mm-hmm. but I would love to host and moderate a panel. Yeah. I would love to be yeah. a part of something. 
And so I get so excited when I get invited just to be a moderator or a yeah. you know, Q&A person or do a profile where I'm part of something. But it doesn't have to be original. And, and I'm sure if you were full-time – you know, singing uh, Dorito chips type commercials, there would be like, oh my God, I got to, you know, work my own stuff. Right. But yeah, it has to be mixed up. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm just, I'm, I'm just very excited about like um, g- getting back into that mentality again, that like studio mentality, just like with the headphones on and like with the keyboard set up over here and like just kind of making sounds, you yeah. know, and not worrying about this, um, I, this kind of brand identity I've built up, you know, yeah. of like Arthur Lewis, the singer songwriter who makes these kinds of songs and like performs in a certain way. Um, I just kind of want to do other stuff cause it's fun, you know? Yeah. And like, this is not to say like, I, I'm not like, this is not my announcement. Like I'm done with, it's just no, no, no. playing with all these different things at the same time. Allowing all these things to coexist. Yeah, exactly. Um, you're in three collectives. I just wanted to hear about that. Mm. Like, I don't know if Freestyle Love Supreme, you guys would call it a collective, but from the outside, like, yes, you have this TV show, which is now on CISO. People can see it used to be on um, Pivot, um, and you guys perform live all the time, although it sells out, and it's not because you guys are all attractive as looking. I I mean, you guys are also talented, you know, so I don't want you to just feel like it's based on your looks. I would love to feel like that. That makes me feel great. But there, there is, there's potential there. I've been told that there's potential for you guys as individual, you know, performers and singers. So I just want to put that out. It's not just that you guys are a pretty <laughs> boys. Um, but, but you are in also two other collectives, Melting Pot Crew and um, This Is Not The Radio. Sure. Um, tell me about that. Like, what, uh, so what are those? The, what does that mean? Yeah, The Melting Pot is a show I've been doing for a little more than six years now. Um, it's a monthly thing that we do at uh, Pianos on the Lower East Side. Um, and it is a... Is Piano still on the Lower East Side? Pianos has not moved. That is, it is very still exciting. right there on Ludlow Street. Yeah. It's <laughs> so exciting. Yeah, they're like, Pianos is still there. Rockwood is still there. Like, What's the one that moved to Williamsburg? It, uh, the living all room. of them. The living room. Um, living room. And the knitting factory. Yeah. Did I just scream? I'm sorry about that. I got so excited. <laughs> I used to love performing at Pianos. It's a mixed bag for me. Okay. Um, well, so that, we perform so. in the upstairs room and people are like, Oh yeah. People are super loud. Done. Like it's, yes. It's sometimes it's great. Sometimes it's not. It depends on the audience and the night and et cetera. I know. Um, no, I forgot about that room. I was thinking about the, the room in the back. Oh yeah. The, the room downstairs <laughs> is great. And we do, we do that sometimes for like special yeah. shows. Um, but it's basically, it's a, I think there are about eight of us now. Um, it's a full band with horns um, and four rotating front people. Um, so it's uh, John Brayman who raps, and sings, and plays the ukulele. And is that his um, his the na- his that stage is his, name? That is his stage name and his real name. Because <laughs> sometimes that changes. <laughs> um, there's Joel, um, who is uh, an MC. There's Webified, who's another MC, and then there's me. And we kind of just go um, round robin. Um, and like, I'll do a song, Webb will do a song, Joel will do a song, John Brayman will do a song. Um, and it's sort of collaborative, like we'll sing on each other's stuff. Um, and it's just fun. Yeah. You know, it's a fun gig and we like try stuff out and do new things and we have horns and it's, a, and people like dance and get really excited and it's a good time. I mean, that's sort of what you were saying about doing in the studio, right? Like a little bit of, of having fun. Yeah, 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 absolutely. It's just like, um, yeah, it's just trying new stuff and seeing what comes out of it. Absolutely. Um, so, like, why is it possible there and then not when you're on your own? Um, because it's scheduled. 
Yeah, that's all it is. It's a it's a monthly gig with a with a time slot and a, a scheduled rehearsal, um, and we just go and we do it. Whereas the other stuff, it's it's kind of swimming in the sea of like other things that have to happen and like what what is my identity and what is my you know it's just all the crap that happens totally, in your head yeah um and like just trying to figure trying to nail it down and just say okay this is the thing that i'm gonna focus on for a little while and just do it it's yeah. it's more difficult when there aren't eight people like who are holding you to it yeah yeah um, and then tell me a little bit more about This Is Not The Radio. So This Is Not The Radio, um, I've been a little less active with uh, recently because it's because um, it was all about solo my solo gigs, which I just haven't done a lot in the past couple of years because yeah. I hadn't been writing much and I was just tired of playing the same old songs. Um, but basically, uh, my friend Lynette Williams, who is a fantastic singer-songwriter, yeah. um, you've, you've seen her, right? Yeah. Yeah, she's real good. Um, she started this a few years ago and, uh, it was just sort of a way to get, um, kind of, kind of build a like-minded community of artists, um, who would support each other and perform on a regular basis. Um, and it's sort of, you know, it was just a few people and it kind of blossomed into this thing. She did, it's a monthly show. Um, I think at this point, maybe even more, again, I haven't done it in a little while, but, um, it's just like a lot of really talented people um, do. And the idea is that the shows will often be short sets by like four different people. Um, so you'll, you'll go to a gig and like, it won't be, you're just going to go to see, you know, Arthur Lewis. You're going to go see like some Arthur Lewis, some Aki Burmese, some Nicholas Zork, um, some Joel, et cetera. Um, and we, a couple of us recorded um, this compilation album a little while ago that we're working on putting out right now where each of us did like two of our own songs yeah um with a couple other people and with a couple of the other people involved um and we're hoping to put that out sometime in the next few months awesome and what about who is SoulCon? see SoulCon, and you okay. have to explain why i was hinting before that like everyone has different names arthur and the yeah no, okay SoulCon um is an mc um that uh he is a friend of um one of the, this is not the radio people I mentioned, Aki Vermees, um, who does vocals for him all the time. And he called me up, I guess, it's must have been a couple of years now. And he was just like, I'm making this EP. Um, I want you to sing on it. Uh, so I did two tracks on it. Uh, I cannot remember the names. Um, yeah, it's not coming to me. Um, one of them was, uh, kind of, there are three singers on it. It was me and Aki Vermees and Nick, uh, Man, I'm blanking on every name right now. But the point is that I sang some stuff for him, and he's okay, cool. a fantastically talented <laughs> rapper. Is what I'm trying. And to if say. people look up, if people look up Soul and uh, you know um, Soulcon, or if they look up um, Joel, aka Mag, will they be able to find what you're referring um, to? So Joel wasn't wasn't Joel. on that one. Um, if but it's Soulcon. I think it's the Psalm EP. Okay, I think that's what it's called. Uh, yeah, we just P S A L M for the Jews. Just wanted totally. to, you know, and Buddhists. Totally. Yeah. Just want to make sure they don't feel left out. Understandable. Um, wait, I didn't interrupt it though, seriously. Um, no, I think that was the story. Okay. That was the beginning and end of it. It's yeah. done now, it's baby. It's done now. <laughs> um, you, you have made it so that you can um, continue to, to do music um, by having a day job. Yep. And I thought that was like a really smart thing to not feel stuck creatively 
Um, it was a really important lesson for me that like, I didn't have to be a starving artist Mm -hmm. for a long time. I was like, it's either this or success. There's only two options. And I found that really crippling. Sure. Um, and I wanted to know what that was like for you when you like, how does that feel now? Well, that's, that's fairly new for me. Um, I, the, what you're describing was like a lot of my, uh, a lot of my life, um, for the past like 10, 15 years was this, like, basically I had a, a career as an IT person for a long time. And it was a career where it was, it was a backup career. Like I'm not going to really care about any of this and it sucks and it's fine because I'm like, you know, charging towards musical success. Like that's, what's going to get yeah. me out of here. Um, and it just got to a point where like that career just kind of fell apart for various, like my, I lost some freelance work, yada, yada, yada. Yeah. Um, and I kind of had to make a decision, like, what am I going to do? Um, and I found a, you know, a full-time IT gig, um, et cetera. But then I had been thinking a lot about music education and how that works online. Um, and I found this company where I work now, um, it's called Soundfly and we are building an online music school. It's awesome. And like, I am, you know, a, writing code for it, which is a passion of mine and like be sort of helping develop the product itself, which is also a huge passion of mine. So it's like, and everyone's a musician. So there's a lot of leeway. It's like, I got to leave early for a rehearsal. Like, um, everybody comes to my gig, like that kind of stuff is completely, um, you know, great. Like it's expected. Um, so it's a good balance, um, kind of letting the music be part of the life rather than having it be the thing that's going to get you out of the life is wonderful. And also figuring out what you like to do that's connected to music and feeds music that actually feeds you versus feeling like, Oh, I could have been that. You know what I mean? Like, absolutely. Uh, that that's a really like, this is totally creative what you're doing. And I'm curious how many coders are musically inclined or at least like linguistic. All of them. Okay. I like every, you know, like every developer, um, we just, we just hired someone, uh, another developer to like help, you know, build stuff. And everyone I interviewed, like plays the guitar or like does electronic music with Ableton live or, you know, like it's just, there, there are similar kind of, uh, like the idea of sitting in your room by yourself at the computer, making something repetitive, like it, 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 it tracks really well. It's so it's because it's and I would also think linguistics. That's interesting because I personally like I'm a big uh, language linguistics person, but yeah. I found it varies. Um, okay, that okay. So tell me about that because I I imagine that people who can compose music are going to be good at coding because you're mm-hmm. writing a language, mm-hmm. and then I would also think that those would be like a similar skill to being like okay, wait, the root of this in German is the um that's weird because that's not how what it is and you know what i mean finish yeah um, and like the person you're describing me yeah like those three those three things all relate for me yeah. um but none like for me like for me making music has two halves like there are two halves to my musical brain and one is the one is the part that codes and one is the part that like and one is the part that sings if yeah. that makes sense like um, there's the part that's like, okay, this little piece will tie into this piece and then I will put this on the computer and et cetera. And then there's the other part that just like wants to sit at the piano and sing stuff that has no words and doesn't make any sense. 
Um, and I think there are a lot of and musicians that's the part who are that on goes that. into marketing. No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I think there, but there are a lot of musicians who work on that, who live in that second half. Okay. Um, and like, there, there's no way they're going to like, there's, there's not necessarily a correlation between that part and the, the like Cody language root theory yeah. stuff. Um, okay. But, you know, everybody has some combination of those kinds of skills, obviously. But not, I mean, it's just if, like my mom and older brother are just good at languages. Mm-hmm. You know, like I grew up speaking French and Spanish, but I can't actually learn other languages. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like it's yeah. not actually an innate thing, whereas like they innately are like looking at the root, how I was using with that example. Yeah, yeah. And at the same time, they would be terrible at coding. <laughs> and while they love music, they're not, you know, so I don't mean to pretend that like right. everyone who has this has this, you know, but, but I can see how composing music is similar to coding because you're writing a language, yeah. um, you know, in a different format, maybe, but I mean, at the same time, maybe everyone who codes is good at, you know, Mandarin and Arabic because they're <laughs> more artistic, you know, in languages, <laughs> hieroglyphics, you're amazing at. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. I think, cause I think languages have a similar divide i think there's the like the ability to do what you're describing and like be like this is the root of this and this conjugates in this way and that but then there's the other like you go to a country and you hear what's happening and you kind of reproduce it in a sort of uh i'm trying to think of the right word but i'm making like a wishy-washy hippie motion right now yeah you know what i mean like the the kind of non-necessary not necessarily like specific and literal way but like just getting the feel of it yeah and getting the cadence right like that kind of stuff um i feel like language ability kind of factors into those two halves too you know yeah because you have to be able to intonate how that sounds yeah and it just sounds differently in different languages and i know a lot of people who can like really master vocabulary and conjugation and whatever and i hear them talk and i'm like wow it's hilarious like oh I feel the same way, and this is not related totally. It's like me making a sort of a leap that doesn't really exist. But when I hear someone who's like a Southern Jew, mm. <laughs> and they have like a really Southern accent, and they're like, "Oh yeah, I can't, I can't even do it because I'm not good at the skill." But it is a very funny feeling where you're like, "That's those don't go together in that particular twang." So nice. I, I, I said from the get go that that was not really a good comparison. <laughs> um, I think for you, Arthur, it's also hard because you're good at a lot of different things. Um, yeah, that is hard. Um, it's, you know, it's part of the music, even within music, it's part of the musical struggle. Cause like, um, it, you know, I, I sort of naturally take to a lot of things musically and it's like, okay, which people, people have things that they want for me. They want me to sing. They want me to do certain types yeah. of things. And I'm like, but this is fun and this is fun and that's fun. And this is all working pretty well. So how do you kind of choose? And right. I don't, I think the answer is that you don't, um, but it's hard to kind of figure out how to make that work. Yeah. You know, in our society, success tends to be, I'm generalizing, but tends to be people who are really good at one thing in particular and from such a narrow perspective. So it's not just enough to say I'm I'm good at math. If, if you're going to be the expert on the number three Hmm. and that is it. You can become that expert sure. in the number three oh, absolutely. and and what it means in society and all this stuff. And wasn't that great that I didn't do the joke about seven eating nine? That's why I chose three <laughs> instead of anything related to seven, eight, nine. Um, but it, 
if you happen to be a multi-hyphenate, that can also work in your favor in that you're scrappy and everyone tells mm. you to diversify and you're going to hustle and you're going to do all these different gigs. For 99% of us, I feel like you can feel really diffuse, you know, right. like hustling around doing all these different things. Like there are so many hours in a day. There are eight hours in a day where I will be productive, whether I'm productive binge watching Netflix or I'm productive writing. Those are my, that, those are the eight right. hours. Now, there are other people who can hyperfunction and they don't need sleep and wonderful for them, but they're, they're, they're fewer and far between. Yeah. So I, I do think it is harder. I, I know women generally are very dynamic and have lots of different um, talents at things. And I think that sometimes um, it's not a gender thing. Hmm. I just wanted to put out some weird point where you'd be like, we were do we were connecting and I have no idea. You should not know what I'm talking about. Cause I was just making something up, but I, <laughs> you know, when you're having like a real conversation with someone and you totally get it. And then all of a sudden you're like, why did oh Oh, they just brought up Scientology. Oh, really Scientology. I just wanted you to feel that. Um, in all seriousness, uh, I rarely ask about people's personal lives, but, but you have found love and you recently married. I did. Um, what's that like? Is, is, is your, um, significant other, your better half also musically inclined? Um, she is not so musically inclined. Um, she loves music. That's um, great. she doesn't play music. Uh, being married is great. Um, I've been married for what day is this? This is Friday. So it's like four weeks now. Yeah. Um, all day. Um, Friday all day. And the, it's actually, I mean, we, we'd been living together for years, uh, before we got married and I wasn't expecting it to be that different. Yeah. I wasn't expecting to feel different. Um, but I feel very different and I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to get into the, like the personal feelings, but the, the thing that's amazed me most is like, I give a lot less of a shit about everything else. It's beautiful. Um, it's like, I, all of a sudden I'm like, oh, this is where the center of things is. And I yeah. can build everything around that, you know? Yeah. Um, and it's, it's amazing how like, you know, a, a, a ritual and a ceremony can do that, you know? Yeah. It's, I, I was not expecting that. And it's, that's been pretty great. I think it's beautiful, honestly. And I think it also like feeds into what we've been just talking about, uh, uh, about feeling open to allowing yourself to experiment mm-hmm. and putting it in perspective. Yeah. Um, and it's really easy to let go of that perspective, whether it's socioeconomic pressures, whether it's one's own internal um, compass of like what equals success. And then you have love and a good thing that sets you straight. And yeah. that's it's the best we get. Yeah. Um, Arthur the fourth. Arthur and the geniuses, Arthur Lewis, this has been a pleasure to have you on. And um, I want all of you to hear a song. So this is a song that was recorded live at Joe's Pub that we were lucky to have Arthur um, perform. And I am so excited that if we get a television series that you um, are going to be part of the band. We'll see. We'll see how that works. He's a good negotiator, guys. He's a good negotiator. (laughs) Without further ado, you'll hear Arthur Lewis play. Thank you, Arthur. Laughing the things you saw that I didn't see. Telling me a story of the way that it was. Telling me a story of our history. Telling me a story that your mother told you. Telling me your mystery. Oh, when we ride, we ride, and we ride. Yes, we ride and we ride and we 
sun Didn't we have some fun Picture in my hand Child in it I will never understand What's behind those eyes Dreams and memory of times gone by Did I ever know you? There's someone else inside From who you were to me Did I ever show you The kind of man that I turned out to be We ride and we ride and we ride some fun Something in my head is telling me to pray for you Even though I wouldn't know I wouldn't know what to say for you Something in my head is telling me to say what's on my mind, and that's what you do. Something in my head is telling me to find the time, that's what you do. So I say, stay with me just a little longer, stay with me just a little longer, stay with me just a little longer. Been just a little longer, stay with me just a little longer, stay with me just a little longer. Oh, 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 stay with me just a little longer, stay with me just a little longer, stay with me just a little longer. Oh, 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 stay with me just a little longer, stay with me just a little longer, stay with me just a little longer. Oh, 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 we ride and we ride and we ride. Oh, we ride. Yes, we ride and we ride and we ride. Oh, we ride into the sun. Into the sun. Didn't we have some fun? Didn't we have some fun? Didn't we have some fun? So beautiful, Mr. Arthur Lewis. Oh, Arthur, thank you so much for gracing the stage. You've thank made you, this show Kate. so beautiful. <laughs> Mr. Arthur Lewis. That's it for this episode. I told you, uh, mellifluous, I can barely pronounce it, um, but intoxicating, beautiful, beautiful voice, um, beautiful, beautiful playing. David Simon, who is also a guest on that show, 
found Arthur Lewis's performance intoxicating as well. Arthur got very excited when I announced that, didn't really care. Uh, when I said I felt that way, that's cool. Um, I want to thank Arthur Lewis. I want to thank um, Nick Rad and Carly Oscar um, and Headgum um, for recording and editing this together. And I want to encourage you to please come out to um, Thursday, April 28th live show at Joe's Pub. We have two more, and that one is at 7 o'clock. Doors open at 6.30. We have Kip Malone from TV on the Radio and Rain Machine. Do you ever listen to them, Arthur? He says he listens to them all the time. Um, Unbelievable uh, performer. And we also have Susan Laurie Parks, first African-American to win a Pulitzer. Incredible playwright. I also want to ask her about what it was like um, making movies for Brad Pitt to Oprah. Um, And Julia Cameron, who wrote The Artist's Way. Today's episode was a great entry into what it's like to be a working artist um, and so much more. So come on out. Thanks so much. You can go to Employee of the Month show or follow me at um, Katie Lazarus for more. So do you soon. Do you want to say goodbye, Arthur? Bye, Arthur. (laughs) That was a HeadGum Podcast.